The theme for the evening talk is Core Teachings. I'm uh, rather um, remind you, reminded of uh, a talk that the Buddha gave. And in the talk, he uh, refers to uh, four kinds of people uh, in this world. He said there are people who are living their uh, life, and whatever arises for them uh, in life is, is real. There isn't any uh, questioning uh, of it. And the person's life just moves through birth, aging, pain, and death. And moving along in that sequence, in that uh, process of things, and dealing with one thing after the next until the end of life comes. And that's it for that. There are other people in this world who are engaged in questioning, inquiry, into looking into things and looking into what it means to be a human being, to be alive, looking into values, looking into practices, looking into what matters, and undergoing an investigation, not taking things for granted, not assuming things in any, any way. And people of uh, practice uh, fall into uh, uh, that kind of awareness and exploration uh, in life. The third kind of person is a person who knows what a realized life is, knows what a liberated and enlightened life is. And the fourth kind of person uh, in, in this world gives uh, teachings and uh, practices. And I'm uh, reminded a little bit of uh, all of this because of the uh, convenience that we tend to use as human beings in uh, categories uh, of things. And sometimes when taking stock of ourselves and uh, looking at our uh, own life, and especially in terms of teachings and practices, it can happen that some core teachings get easily and, dare I say, conveniently forgotten and o overlooked. And I wish to attend to two or three of these uh, uh, this, uh, this, e this evening. And um, in the um, old text, the, the kind of general picture and image that we get is of... Uh, people who lived the life of the householder and all the values that can be synonymous uh, with it and chose and made a decision to go from that, from a world of having ownership, possession, uh, accumulation, to one of householder to uh, homelessness and their following uh, a way of uh, life without any uh, special uh, home or place or location. And that seemed to be, at that time, that is two and a half thousand years ago, fairly uh, appropriate given the constraints of the family system, the constraints of the caste system, of the social system. Uh, but there's an important feature, and it's one of the core teachings, and that we easily uh, forget given the climate that we uh, live in, and that is the importance in life of the looking into 
and the investigation and relationship to possession and ownership. One may not wish to go from the householder's life to a homeless life, though it's a very valid option, but though one may not wish to make that kind of shift in one's life for very sound reasons, but there is no reason whatsoever to not to look into one's relationship to possession, ownership, and the movement of the self to accumulation. So in the old days it was householder to monks and nuns, so to, so to speak, there. And when that gets forgotten, one wants one's cake and eat it at the same time. And there are too many people in the Dharma world, everywhere, uh, tragically, who imagine, who think, who believe naively, I would say, that I can go for everything I want in life and have enlightenment, liberation, peace of mind, great love and compassion, and therefore have it all. It is impossible. It is impossible. And therefore, in taking steps, in taking time out, and taking time away from a situation such as being here, does provide uh, each and every one of us a genuine opportunity over the days to step back, to take a good, solid, hard look at our life, and to really see what the hell am I doing with my existence. And that requires from the individual, because nobody's going to do it for us, a real honest and facing up, what are the priorities in my daily life? And to do that, we not only have to look at what we keep thinking about, we have to look at what we keep feeling about, we have to look at what we keep projecting about, what we keep wanting, what we keep imagining, what we keep hoping, hoping, that's a new word, hoping for, uh, etc. And all of that needs to be clearly and rather unambiguously brought into our focus in these retreats. It's not enough just meditating on the breath and watching a few sensations pop out of your feet when you touch the floor. <laughs> That's all the contribution to getting focused and centred and uh, uh, grounded. But it's a whole way of life, of looking to see what the priorities are. So if the Buddha can uh, 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 say, as he liked to do, that there are these three, four, whatever, uh, groups of people uh, in, in this world, then I uh, have the same privilege in the hall here. And so some of you will know and will look at yourself and say, I have it. It's a privilege in this world with its terrible uh, imbalances in wealth and uh, economic realities, etc. Some of you can know for yourselves, you can look at your life and you can say, yes, in every respect, I have a lot of uh, financial economic security. I have uh, money, I have uh, whatever it is, uh, in investments. And of course, they will all be ethical, I know and uh, I have a car, and my house is paid for, nearly paid for, it's worth more than not the mortgages, or all of that. I can uh, 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 go back to school, although that option was cut off this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and, uh, and various uh, other potentials and, and possibilities. And the financial economic climate of one's circumstances allows for that and allows for uh, the future and pension funds and what else is it minorities have in this country? Oh, health insurance and, uh, uh, and various other things there. And some of you are in a very privileged uh, position, I have to say. I was tempted to uh, walk up and down the car park and to write out a list with the number plates of the more expensive cars and read them out, but I restrained myself. And, uh, but maybe in the next retreat. And, and so sometimes one looks at that and one, in looking at one's life, one says, my goodness, not only do I have enough, I have more than enough. Not only do I have enough, I have more than enough. I have more than enough for one person or one family or one household to have in a lifetime uh, uh, there. And so any kind of activity for those of you in that group of people who are privileged to have, which pursues more having, is a complete and utter waste of your existence, period. And some of you are, in, as you, you know, and know better than I, in that kind of privilege. So it seems madness, having enough already, to want even more of the same. What on earth can it do for you? So sometimes, as has been said for generations, that, that, that I don't want to go on living in the same old way of pursuit of more of the same. And why would anybody want to pursue more of what they have already? It's just incongruous. It's, 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 it's absurdity. So some people, some group of people uh, in here, may well have to take, as I said earlier, a good, hard, honest look at one's life and say, yes, I am privileged, yes, I am blessed, yes, I have enough financial resources, uh, etc. I don't need any more for the rest of my life to be putting my attention solely and exclusively in that kind of pursuit. Because it won't lead anywhere, because it's got me to where I am, and that's far enough in the world of materialism. Just hearing a story uh, uh, yesterday evening from uh, uh, Shada. There's one pair of feet, how many pairs of shoes do we need, etc. The other group of people here that say, Cool, I wish I was like that. <laughs> come, come and have a look at my car in the car park, uh, and, uh, or whatever it uh, might be. And are not affluent, are not privileged, don't have any. Uh, uh, in investments, uh, paying X amount of money, rented accommodation, etc., uh, etc. Uh, et there can still be, either way, a great deal of inner poverty. Inner poverty. Those with their Porsches and Mercedes Benz, uh, you know, as I once said in the hall here, even when they were parked in the car park there, these and other symbols of inner poverty. That that there can be the inner poverty as well that goes on in the inner life. It's through endless wanting for more. So there can be the poverty of having and wanting more of what I have, bigger and better and newer and faster and, and uh, all of that neurosis. And there's the poverty of I don't have and I uh, want more uh, or I want to get, I want to achieve. And so the mind set 
in that kind of movement and formation, of course, the self, the I, the ego, it, it, it arises, it arises tenaciously and ferociously uh, and persistently. And it goes along on the supposition, and it's a serious and, and, and sad supposition, how much better off I would be if only I had. And the society remorselessly attacks the vulnerabilities of, of, uh, of, of, of people. And, and one only has to look at the, these pathetic advertisements that one sees morning, noon, and night. And one of countless I could relate that comes to mind, which I uh, saw in England of one of these cars. It was a French, a French car in this case. And the guy is driving around in his new car in, in the city and looking very um, self-satisfied, that kind of smug, conceited, arrogant satisfaction. <laughs> and then he gets out of his car and he presses the, whatever you call it, button that closes all the doors and the, the, the lockers or whatever it does. And then he moves a few steps away from his new car and then he turns around with great pride and, and looks at his new car. And then, and then, and then it up comes the, the one-liner, you know who you are when you have a Peugeot. I mean, just... I mean, and people who, I mean, the advertising people who write that, I, you know, I mean, I, I severely, I mean, I do believe they, they need medication for, for, for propounding such uh, uh, banal views. It's an insult to anybody's intelligence, uh, uh, these things. But... The mind is vulnerable. The mind absorbs all of this there. And in the movement of those who are not affluent, not wealthy, are struggling to make ends uh, meet, not finding it easy at the, at the financial and personal level in life, still, and all of that, does it have to generate inner poverty? Does it have to generate inside of us this wanting, this search for abundance, and having and possessing and, and, and ownership. When is the time going to come when we look, even life is fairly minimal in uh, what we have, to actually find in what is some contentment with it? Because the compelling forces, both from externally and the internally, is this constant useless effort to satisfy the self, and the self by its character, by its nature, by its persona, can't find satisfaction that way. And yet this mythology that, 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 that goes out. So the radical element of Dharma teachings is the investigation and in, the looking into that, and how impressed we are with it. I was just in the uh, staff dining room and I saw, I think it's your current Newsweek magazine, and uh, a couple of guys, I think, face popping out of the cover of it. And then the, it's got something, Blair's Witches, or something. Is it Blair's Witches? Is it? Bitches? Witches? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> eh? the, Blair Witch the Blair Witch Project. Well, of course, naturally enough, 
being English and from the other side of the pond, I, I thought it was a, a reference to the Prime Minister. <laughs> Which completely diminished any interest in reading what uh, uh, was there. And then I was told that I didn't then I was told it was about something else which also didn't interest me to read uh, uh, either. And uh, that is apparently a couple of uh, uh, people went out with their video camera and spent a few weeks filming some horror thing in somebody's back garden or something. And the uh, uh, wasted $30,000 doing it and, and now have made $30 million or whatever the sum uh, uh, might be. And that's the main event on, in this world this week, according to Newsweek magazine. <laughs> Nothing else has happened in this world but, but uh, a horror film with a shaky camera. <laughs> and and, and we, are, we as intelligent human beings who went to graduate school are... <laughs> Are, ex are expected to be impressed with this. So something that seems to go on in our relationship to the world around and all the impactfulness that it uh, actually has uh, upon us, that somehow through the impact it impresses us, through the Im impression that's made upon us, then we talk about others, which shows that we're impressed pressed by these various uh, uh, figures and, and, and other bizarre forms of human behavior, filming in the back garden, a horror film, or whatever it might be, and there's no questioning of it. We just go along with it. We think that's a, that, that, that's a, a criteria of a successful life, of somebody who's really achieved something. If there's not enough horror in the world already there, we want to inflict even more horror and terrifying even more people, including our children, including teenagers, and get impressed with it. And there's no revolt against it, no revolution against it, no, no protest against it. We've submitted, we've sold out to it. And all the painful consequences that are happening, and happening in your schools, as you well know, and in our schools in Europe as well. All, all, all of that deserves some re-examination, rethinking. And so sometimes in Dharma teachings, as core teachings and core principles that go on, it's sometimes diametrically opposed to the status quo of society. It's not a compromise, it's not a balancing act, it's not a fudging in any way. When the society says self, 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 the Dharma tradition says no self, no self, no self. When the, the tradition, say, uh, the uh, contemporary society says go for what you want, make that, make that your priority, the, the Dharma tradition says you can't just get what you, you want. When the, when the contemporary society says um, you have all of these choices and you make all your own choices, then the Dharma tradition says, well, why is it that you can't make a choice to stop your addictions? Why you can't make a choice to stop all the problems from your past? Why you can't make a choice just to stop all your unhappiness right now? 
where one has, uh, where, where, the, where the contemporary society says a value, uh, important life is producing and consuming more, and that's the priority. The Dharma tradition says that's very low on the scale of what's really important in life. So where, where it's towards having, possessing, owning, clinging and grasping, the Dharma tradition says completely the opposite to that value system. And therefore, it's anti-materialistic, it's anti-selfishness, it's anti-greed, it's anti-success in terms of the inflation of the ego. Sometimes we forget this. We come on retreat, we have a few quiet days, and we think, oh, I'll be a little bit more mindful uh, in my uh, daily life, I'll be a little bit more relaxed in my daily life, I'll have a little bit, more, little bit less stress in my daily life, and that will make me better to go out and really get what I want. And, and how easily the, 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 uh, the subversion, in a way, of, of genuine Dharma teachings and practices uh, 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 take place because we've forgotten to, under, to explore and to really look at openly and honestly in our life at some of the core uh, 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 teachings which point to true freedom and a truly liberated way of life. And not only is it this uh, compelling factors that go on in society, destroying uh, lives and destroying families and destroying communities, but in destroying the earth itself. And therefore it's up to us, thoughtful and caring, I hope, and intelligent uh, human beings to actually find individually and together the resources inside to say, I am not going to live in that way. I'm not going to submit to it. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to fudge. I'm going to change and I'm going to make the change uh, happen. And therefore, I'm make a shift from possession and clinging and ownership and, and preoccupation to that, to one of awareness and connection and responsibility and, and working with life in a fresh way. And all of that is part of the feature, in fact, of what takes place in a situation like this. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. So be it. Let it be uncomfortable. Why not? Third group of people. They're, they're, therefore, there are the haves. Haves and sometimes have too much. There are those who don't have too much and there's a lot of moderation uh, uh, in, the, in the life. And that moderation may be because one understands the importance of that and is committed to it. But one has to be, as I said, vigilant for the second group of people about constantly feeling of not having enough and always wanting more. And therefore, that inner poverty is still at work inside of oneself. Nor the jealousy and the envy that goes with it. And then there are the third kind uh, of person where it's not only neither of those two, but the problem, and not un un unusual, and I uh, hear it here, is one of being in debt. It's not a matter of having little or having too much uh, or having nothing. It's actually in, in, in a difficult situation of ownership, of the absence of and being in, in debt. Sometimes that insidious circumstances of life uh, through uh, schooling and education, and I know some people, some of you here are uh, 
in debt from that. It's a kind of contemporary form of uh, bonded labor. It keeps people for years dependent. It's as wretched and as rotten as uh, the system of the serf still in, takes place in India and parts of, parts of India. And so sometimes around money and, and debts, there's a, a, a terrible pressure that can go with that. And that pressure uh, is there uh, in the inner, inner life and never feeling real contentment and real peace of mind because one owes money to every government, or to authorities or parents, banks or institutions or, or whatever. And it isn't an easy one to, to deal with. And when we get caught up in that, of course, it inhibits the opportunity to act wisely and skillfully in the face of such circumstances. When we get caught up in it, what are the two things that tend to go on with us? One way of getting caught up in it, of course, is through worry, fear and anxiety and lots of projections and the intensification of them into the future. Sometimes, whatever, we may have made debts for good reasons, we may have been in debt for uh, poor decisions in the past, uh, uh, etc. And it can be relentlessly painful on our, on our hearts, on our minds, on our bodies, this difficult feeling of being in debt. So one is still with the debt, there's the bare fact, then there comes the relationship to it. In the relationship uh, to it, there, what is that relationship? What's the judgment? What's the commentary? What's the way of viewing, uh, viewing the debt? And the other, easily, when there is debt, we then, the mind easily then projects into the future. Either projects, how am I going to pay this off? Or it projects in terms of trying to be positive, and thinking in the long term, if I work myself to death, and that's sometimes what the thought is, and that's what happens, I'll work myself to death, then in X amount of time I'll pay off this debt. And situations uh, like that one needs to be looking at that kind of viewpoint for oneself, the kind of pressure that one is placing on oneself, and the kind of stress there. Partly because one is internal, in a state of internal conflict with debt. But whether one is in a state of have, and having plenty, whether one is in a state of moderation, or whether one is in the group of uh, uh, in debt and all that goes with it, all equally deserve a lot of care, a lot of attention there, and that sometimes in a retreat that needs attending to, it's part of the basic body of the teachings, and we need to look very, very carefully and to really ask ourselves, what is a clear relationship if I know in this listening this evening that I really do fall into one of those three areas? It's going to take wisdom and clarity uh, uh, with, with, with regard to that. And sometimes it's, it's a kind of inner appeal in that respect. An inner appeal which says, what way can I look at this wisely and clearly? Because the further we project into the future, it tends to create more pressure. The further that we start getting caught up in our position, it creates another kind of pressure for us. There's enough pressure in life already. Therefore, core teachings 
is, in this case, a learning and a finding out what it is to stay steady in the fact. And for some, for those who are privileged, it's no more of the pursuit of the same. It's, it's a dead end. It's a cul-de-sac. And death will get closer and closer. And some people have said to me, I've heard it many times, four continents I've heard, heard this, where people have said, you know, Christopher, I spent my whole life in the pursuit of having more, of making myself really secure financially. And you know something, Christopher? I just realized it's a waste. I wasted it. I blew it. It's a hard awakening when you get to the age of 60 and 70 and you look back and you just had one thing in mind, making more for me and my family. It's a hard one to bear for some people. But that's what happened over 50 years. So it, it, it takes a real, a genuine, authentic stopping, as I say, an authentic uh, uh, looking. And we do have, in the circumstance here, some time and, and place. The Dharma attends to the material world. Not enough to, to be sweetly spiritual. Not enough to be nicely mindful. Not enough to try to be non-judgmental. More important and deeper things than that, and I say the questioning of all of that doesn't necessarily make for an easy life, but it gives opportunity to really enliven and awaken the life. Some of you been rambling on here, 25 minutes on this theme, uh, see, and, and might well say, Christopher, I've looked at all of that. I've attended to all of that. All credit to you. I'm, I'm, I'm clear in all of these uh, three areas. And there are some of you who are, some of you I know, genuinely knotty issues uh, in, in, your daily, in your daily life. You're not obsessing around money, privilege, status, pursuit of more, uh, etc. When that happens then, there is opportunity, as, of course, as well, to come to more subtle levels of being, more subtle kind of uh, uh, awarenesses. It still regards a vigilance, and it always will do for all of us uh, in these uh, areas. But the material world leads to looking at the heart world, and the emotional world, and the feeling world, and the mental world. And sometimes we don't realize it uh, that how e easily we actually can be doing a similar kind of pattern with that world as well. So sometimes the movement of the pattern of the inner life, the tendency of the inner life, is rather strictly, rather narrowly, as I say, in the material world. LA story was a small example of what I meant. Um, but sometimes that's going in the emotional world and the intellectual uh, world as well. It's more refined, but it's still a feature and it needs our attendance. Some of you, you know too much. Way too much. Know too much about anything and everything. So it's not an accumulation of things, or it might be might be the accumulation of concepts, the accumulation of knowledge, the accumulation of 
dare I say it, degrees, the accumulation of information. You, you read those appalling magazines, Time, Newsweek, the other English uh, equivalents or whatever they might, might be. And there's this constant accumulation of knowledge. It's a bottomless pit. When is anybody going to be able to say, I know enough already? You now have the, 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 this, the virtual reality there. And someone said at home in Totnes, where I live, I haven't seen Christopher around for a few days. And the person he was speaking to said, Christopher, oh, Christopher, he's lost in cyberspace. Oh, thank you very much. So sometimes we look and we say, gosh, more knowledge. Got this whole realm out there for knowledge. You know, called the net, and there's a lots of uh, 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 helpful and useful information uh, which is out there. But there's never any level or point when one seems to be able to say enough. Enough. And you think, well, what am I going to do with my life if I'm not pursuing things, I'm not pursuing money, and I'm not pursuing knowledge? And we're so infatuated with the, as Ajahn Buddhadasa, my old teacher, one of the last conversations that I uh, uh, had with them, he said, we won't destroy the world with ignorance in the accepted sense. We'll destroy life through being too clever. We have become too clever for our own good. And we like to boast that being clever is a sign of being evolved. No, 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 no. Please, please do not insult us with this viewpoint. Being clever is a sign of being clever. <laughs> it has no relevance. And yet we are preoccupied with this. So things and information and, and therefore using the two to make a very unholy marriage. I'll get knowledge, therefore, to get things. And we're so preoccupied with all of this that we bow down, we genuflect with this view. We bow down to those who are clever. We bow down to those who own and possess and have brought the two to Gates, you know, together. The Gates, that's a good one, yeah, Bill Gates, or what, 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 whatever. And we're impressed with all of that. Why would anybody want to be impressed with any of that? Why would anyone want to be, feel that's what success is, that's what achieve, achievement is? And we have made gods and goddesses out of these people. And we look to them, we, we, look, up, we look up to them. Dharma teaching... It's such a completely different view. It actually takes more likely to take the view of these gods and goddesses with their wealth, privilege and, and celebrity. That if there's any view towards these people, it's very profound compassion. Very deep concern about the complete mess they've made of their existence through pursuit, having privilege and status. And the real gods and gods, goddesses of, uh, of the earth in fact, are men and women and children who live with love and wisdom and compassion. They're the real gods of this earth. 
And sometimes in our warped perceptions, not through our own thought, but through the conditioning that's gone uh, on, we've actually made a, 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 a shift. And a shift in a way which pays incredible kind of devotional respect to these celebrities. And very little connection with where the gods and goddesses are and the, and the wisdom and compassion. All of that needs, just to change that, to break that fixation, is a radical act of, of, it, of itself. It's easy to do when faced with such polar opposite uh, messages to us. So looking at our, looking at our knowledge and sometimes much greater knowing, which Dharma tradition makes a big distinction, between knowledge and knowing, and sometimes the deep knowing about things deep, deeply, it requires renunciation, not the most popular word in the Western world. And that renunciation sometimes means renunciation of knowledge. Renunciation of knowledge. Not many people are, oh God, please don't tell me this, etc. Uh, et to starve the mind. And that isn't easy to do. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to do it. We, 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 we feed, we, we, we lust after it. And we can't discern, we can't discriminate. Or, or whatever. In the monasteries, admittedly it's more, ext more extreme than most people would ever wish to venture into. Some of you are on the second day of your retreat and you've already been saying your mantras for uh, Saturday to come as quickly as possible. And some of us in, who were in the monastery in, in my first retreat there, if I may say, was uh, uh, three years and three months. And there were a number of uh, rules which in the monastery we, uh, we had to uh, observe. And one of them was no reading was permitted. So any reading was considered an extremely subversive activity. And kind of, we, we did it, you know, a Buddhist book by candlelight in our hut. Uh, things like that, that was the way it was in, in, in the monastery that uh, th th there'd be, as here, the uh, evening uh, uh, talk. Uh, that was it as far as the teaching uh, went in that uh, uh, form. And the day was in silence. And one of the uh, 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 indirect blessings, I might say, of all of that being English. And uh, those of you who know that the English, are, uh, as far as learning foreign languages go, uh, probably the laziest uh, people on earth. I think we could only compare them with North Americans. <laughs> and, and so my, my being of that kind of um, uh, view, view, viewpoint never bothered to uh, uh, learn Thai, just a few words that one picked up over the period of time. But what it helped and ensured uh, was uh, a great deal of sustained silence and uh, very little communication, a little bit of reading of some of the talks of the, of the, the, the Buddha, uh, 
things uh, like like that, listening to the teaching. And I would say that out of that silence, out of that uh, uh, starvation of intellectual uh, uh, activity, out of the, uh, the meditations and the uh, awarenesses, something else has an opportunity to breathe in one's life, which is already with us, which is our true uh, nature, already available, and has the chance and opportunity to come through. Why? Because one is willing to make space for that to happen, and for them to make that space, it required minimal interest in ownership, minimal interest in possessions, and minimal interest in the accumulation of knowledge just for the sake of accumulating knowledge. And if we... Not an easy message, obviously. But if we're interested in core, core teachings, we, we will say to ourselves, I'm not going to just imagine and deceive myself into thinking that I can have it always. And perhaps out of that space, out, out of that, something else can move with us, move in us, move through us, something which is effective and kindly, and something in a way in which the knowledge which we have, or the knowledge which we need to attend to, is a knowledge which feeds something deep. It's not knowledge for knowledge's sake. It's not being clever. It's not having more letters after and before one's name because one feels one hasn't got enough in the name or whatever it might be. It's a uh, knowledge which reaches something deep and that something deep is touched and therefore the knowledge goes to something else of a different order altogether. That will require enunciation as a core basic teaching. It will, it will require... Um, a real examination of our relationship to knowledge and information. It will require inwardly and sometimes uh, outwardly as well protest about the, the, the way of life and the impact, the harmful impact that it has on people's lives and all the consequences on the cellular life and the emotional and mental life. But all of that Dharma teachings and practice endeavour again and again to remind us of all of that so that we say in our way of being in this world, wisdom matters, compassion matters. It really matters. It matters more than those things which we have sold out to. And that's a tremendous challenge and a tremendous uh, undertaking. And one may have to weather the various periods of time a lot of misunderstanding from other people, your own peers, your own contacts, your own family, your own associates, or whatever, may not understand these kind of uh, uh, practices and uh, teachings and feel a bit hurt and confused by it. And therefore, never to underestimate the radical nature of inner change and the influence and consequences that it can have. Finally, in terms of uh, teachings and uh, uh, basic uh, teachings, just as it goes with accumulation and wanting and having, easily, of course, in the emotional life and in the, uh, and the spiritual uh, life as well. And sometimes we get caught up in the same. And 
that can show itself in the striving and the intensity and coming on retreat and saying to oneself, well, this retreat is only any good to me if I really have a, a, an incredibly earth-shattering experience. And, uh, and as someone uh, once commented, oh, Christopher, um, all my, is it seven or eight? I can't remember. All my seven or eight chakras are spinning simultaneously. Oh, wow. <laughs> Very impressive. Etc. The person who comes and says, my um, kundalini is, is, is racing up and down faster than a yo-yo or whatever, whatever the, uh, there. And sometimes they say, oh, God, I've had a really great experience uh, there and this will, uh, really will impress the neighbors when I go home. <laughs> so sometimes the intention and the motivation and move is towards having some special experience to have it. So the self can feel it's got something for its money. Or it's got something for all the blood, sweat and tears of sitting in this wretched meditation hall. And one wants something in return to show that it was worthwhile. And so we, we, we then transplant the old materialistic mind into the intellectual mind, into the spiritual, emotional uh, mind. And it's all a little bit more of the same going on. And somehow we may not realize it's a kind of, humanly enough, subtlety of movement. There. And it needs our awareness and our attention. And if one's got the pursuance of some experience, which one knows not what, and one has only uh, heard about or read some unfortunate book about Buddhism and some incidental event under a tree two and a half thousand years ago, and says, well, that sounds good, I like that one. And if the mind is fixed in that kind of pursuit uh, in that way, the self keeps wanting it, keeps looking for it, it then becomes the breeding ground for dissatisfaction. And with it then comes the doubt, because I can't get what I want. And then that whine starts, which teachers have to listen to. So the tendency of the looking inwardly to the self and its movement towards what it wants. Are we willing to do that? Are we really willing to know and to see and to understand that the entire welfare of our existence is founded on the simple basis and the simple present cognizance of my relationship to what I want. The whole welfare of your entire existence is wrapped up in this. And it seems silly. That's the politest English way that I can put it. It seems silly to live one's life and not examine this. The most important thing in relationship of what, my relationship to what I want, whether it's called spiritual, whether it's called emotional, whether it's called intellectual, or whether it's called physical or materialistic, or whatever, to actually look at all of that. 
And even if it's difficult and complex and sometimes seems unanswerable or whatever, but to actually really take a good, frank, honest, down-to-earth look at it while one lives, surely that's the greatest service you could ever provide yourself with. And what comes out of it, that if changes are needed, and some of you know changes are needed, you know they are needed, that the determination and the conviction to, to change will come about. Extremely significant and wonderful undertaking, but it's a wonderful service to one's humanity, one's experience as a human being on this earth. It's a wonderful way to, to pay respect to oneself and to life itself. And therefore our sittings and our walkings and our standings and our re reflections and our willingness to look into things is really opening up, hopefully, the doors of perception for us. May all beings live with awareness. May your beings see deeply into things. May your beings understand the radical nature for change. So let's have a couple of quiet minutes together, shall we please? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.